Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about money. What is money from the spiritual perspective? Money is an interesting energy from the spiritual perspective. On the one hand, it is an integral aspect of planet Earth. So um, energetically, uh, money is a concept, is an energetic structure. It could be construed as a network of <laughs> green emerald light that actually surrounds and hugs the whole planet. And in some ways, it is yet another circulatory system um, of planet earth. There are many, you know, ley lines we've kind of mentioned that is, is one of the systems. Uh, and then the other one is, is money. Although, you know, technically speaking, money as a vehicle is an energetic vehicle that humans donated to planet earth. So until humanity as a species or prior to humanity as a species existing on the planet, money was an absolute construct. It wasn't needed. And then with the emergence of this new species, this new circulatory type of energy was established. Um, thus, money is a collective human energy of abundance, if you will. Um, although this previous statement of mine actually should be taken with a gra uh, grain of salt because abundance is so many different things. And money is just one aspect of that. And if I say so myself, money is the most rudimentary, the most low vibrational state of abundance. And mm. yet it belongs to that stream of abundance. So interesting. Uh, is it an egregore in this yes. case? Absolutely. Everything um, that is fed by many people, especially, especially the, the all of humanity, Right. And, and th there are only so many egregores that 100% of humanity is partaking in. Uh, money just happens to be one of them. Yeah. Right. And while there is a collective relationship that humanity has with money, there is also an individual. Each of you has an individual relationship to that energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, um, it is a by not a byproduct. It is an aspect of a, an abundance energy in its most rudimentary, almost like two dimensional uh, facet <laughs> like the the lowest dimension of abundance is actually money is, is cash wow okay so seems like it's a very powerful egregore well it is powerful in, in from the standpoint that not only is a hundred percent of humanity currently alive on earth participating and adding a lot of their energy thought forms, feelings, and everything to this egregore. But if you look at past generations, for many, many, many generations, there's been um, 
you know, this egregore has been fed by many, many generations of humans. So yes, it is exceptionally powerful and it is also here to stay. Now, which is not to say that money has definitely changed over the years, right? Yeah. But the egregore is still here. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, what was maybe the original idea behind money? And is it still the same? Like, you know how the founder who created this egregore what was the intention behind? Um, it's actually interesting because there wasn't n technically not one founder, but it was the desire, the collective desire of, of this new species mm. to have something that they could exchange for other things that they wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like a, a means of manifesting something in your life when you yourself are not able to uh, make it or create it for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So how, how do you manifest, I don't know, um, a loaf of bread if you're not a baker or if you're not growing wheat, right? Uh -huh. um, you know, in communities, like, um, I, I, like when communities became bigger, right? And that, that specialization became more and more prominent meaning like one person was responsible for one thing and the other for the other, you know, um, outside of the exchange, you know, like I'll give you product X, you give me product Y, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, th that system kind of like outlived itself. <laughs> and so people were yearning to manifest other things that they knew existed. But say you're making shoes, right? And then you actually, I don't know, say you want a dress, but this other person that has the dress that you want doesn't want your shoes. So what do you do? Right. So um, there wasn't one founder of the egregore of money. It was like a collective desire. Right. And it wasn't always money. So like that's the, the interesting part about this egregore. Um, there were multiple different objects um, and it's also with, within humanity that had value and people used as like a universal means of exchange. Obviously, there's precious metals, you know, your golds, your silvers, your coppers, um, all at one point uh, served as money. In some cultures, rice served as that means of exchange. Um, in other cultures, um, it, it could be ivory, right? Um, so there, there's been many different types um, of substances, should I say, right? Or um, compounds uh, that were the predecessor of this egregore. And yet, you know, now now you guys have, you know, th there used to be physical cash. Now they're like most most of your cash is electronic. So there's been a lot of, um, so in on, on some way, it is a collective type of egregore that encompasses all of these different forms of money as a means of, um, you know, mm, as a unit of um, universal exchange, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Something that you use that like is so desirable that can be exchanged for anything. That makes sense. Okay. And uh, like looking at the humanity, um, how does the really relationship between humans and money look like? Um, so this is actually really interesting because you have, I would say it's a little bit of a pyramid type of relationship, generally speaking. Um, it's a lot easier, uh, or should I say with a lot of egregores, the relationship between humanity and an egregore is a very consistent relationship. 
With money, it is not. So despite the fact that there is a collective energy that represents the egregore of cash or money, um, there are very particular layers, or should I say um, levels of relationships that different people have with money. Um, the best way to envision this is if you imagine the pyramid, right? Just the pyramid. Um, this pyramid would have, it would be divided into three sectors, right? The base of the pyramid. Um, so there's basically a line somewhere um, towards the, um, I'm trying to figure out how to best explain it to you. So again, um, bear with me, please. So there is a pyramid at the very tip of the pyramid, right? There's like a capstone of a pyramid, like a very teeny, teeny, tiny portion, which represents about 1% of humanity at the very top. These are the people with the best relationship with money, which I would, and, and as, as a byproduct of a good relationship with money, they have in general, a very, very good relationship with all of abundance, a lot of abundance, right? That, that energy and flow of abundance. Um, there is, um, now we're going down that pyramid. Um, there is about 10% up top, again, that the top of the pyramid, that I would call a healthy relationship with money, right? And, and there you have 11% of humanity that are having either like a perfect relationship with money or a really healthy relationship with money. Then you would have the next layer down, you would have maybe about 20% of humanity having a decent relationship with money. And then everybody below, which is the vast majority, almost like 70%, 69 to be exact, has a not so great relationship with money, uh, where you experience or they experience lack a lot, you know, when they sometimes cannot, like they don't know if, you know, they can afford the things that they want. There is a lot of fear around money. Um, with the bottom 40% constantly experiencing money issues if that makes sense. And the reason it is an energy of the pyramid is that there are only very few at the top that actually figured it out, which is represented by the tip of the pyramid. And a bunch of folks at the bottom, which is like the broader side of the pyramid, the, the base is where the struggle is and the struggle is real. Unfortunately, unfortunately, right? If we were to add that all into the same pie, pie or say, say like into the same cauldron right mix it up very well as a as a general rule we will get a very very dysfunctional relationship with money however however um you know I felt really compelled to show you what that pyramid breakdown is just so you understand how how deep rooted the issue with money is on this planet because only about 11 percent don't have issues with money hmm. in one way shape or form yeah that's really bad. So um, what are the main reasons, I guess, why we have so many problems with money? Um, wow, <laughs> loaded question. Um, first things first, um, as a lower dimensional planet, uh, planet Earth just happens to be a very good planet for figuring out the three low chakra energies, the, like the problems associated with the lower chakras, um, which is why, right? And, you know, anybody who's experiencing money issues 
to the degree that it becomes like the root chakra issue, which means that survival, you know, security where you don't know if you can have put the foot on the table, if you don't know like that you're going to have somewhere to live or just you're just maybe worried about not being able to provide for your kids or the kind of like have the kind of life that you want. This just tends to be these kinds of issues tend to be really great issues to work on when you're incarnated on a low dimensional planet like planet Earth. So let's just say that the settings of this planet are very conducive for souls to come here to solve these types of issues. Because if you talk higher dimensions and higher dimensional planets, like let's talk seventh dimension, eighth dimension, ninth dimension, those are not the dimensions that you would go to practice any type of survival type of mechanisms, instincts, etc. You could go to those higher dimensional planets to practice higher aspects of abundance, but not the lowest aspect of abundance, which is money. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's one reason, but it's not the only reason. Um, Technically speaking, right, and you didn't ask me that before, but um, I think you will, is like energetically, how does how does money work energetically and, and how does money flow within the human body? And unfortunately or fortunately, the answer is the energy of abundance is existent within your whole human body and like energetically within each of your chakras, there is an aspect of the energy of abundance. So unfortunately, the money issues don't stop at the root center. Every chakra potentially, if it's not balanced or open or has a lot of shadow aspects, could give you some aspect of abundance that would be out of alignment, right? And the money issues actually could happen because of the misalignment in any of the chakras that are below your third eye. So your third eye and the crown chakra will not give you issues with money if they're misaligned, but your throat chakra down could. And I'll explain exactly what I mean by that. So, um, and, and basically to answer your question, and that's why I went here, is if any of these chakras, um, any, any of these chakras could give you an issue with money for a different reason. And I'll start giving you examples, so you, yeah, I'll bring it home for you really quickly. So if you have a misaligned uh, red center, root, root base chakra around money, uh, so basically if you, if you came here to um, figure out how to grow deep roots and really build security for yourself, you know, um, you might experience money issues around, like I'm not able to pay rent or I'm not able to provide for my children. If you go up the chakra, right, we're in the sacral uh, space, here... Um, you might be a starving artist. So like a starving artist archetype lives here. It's somebody who could be exceptionally creative, but cannot make money or doesn't believe they can make money uh, using their craft. So you would have a small percentage, well, like not, not necessarily small, but a certain percentage of the population of humanity dealing with money issues because they're dealing from, you know, with a misaligned sacral going up. Is, does this make sense so far? Yes. Okay, yes. perfect. Mm -hmm. Great. Just wanted to make sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, yellow. Yellow chakra could give you issues with money also. If, because yellow is all about self-identity. Oh, this can actually give you uh, money issues for multiple reasons. One is a low confidence level in general, right? So if your yellow is not strong enough, especially in men, very often in men, um, 
you would experience money issues. Now, it's not going to be the same type of issues as somebody experiencing money issues at the root center, right? If you are experiencing money issues at the yellow center, it probably means you can cover your rent and it probably means you can cover your bills. But let's, let's all agree that just being able to cover your bills doesn't mean you're thriving or that you're able to afford all the things that you want to afford, right? So, if you're at this center, which is like the next aspect, like a more elevated aspect of money, and maybe you're dealing with having a lot more cash than, you know, some of the people dealing with the lower centers. And yet, and yet, if you don't have self-confidence in yourself, in your earning potential, that might give you a disjointed relationship with money. So you're not going to experience the abundance of it. Um, other examples could be... Um, pursuing something that you don't like either because you're good at it or because somebody made you do it so these are all the people that are stuck at the jobs that they hate or are being you know I don't know being something because their parents wanted them to be something because their identity is kind of like misaligned with what they're doing their yellow center cannot power their path in a way that would unlock money for them so for these types of people, they will also experience issues with money, but it is fundamentally exceptionally different from any of the other two chakras that are below. Does it make sense? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sense. Green center and misaligned green center can also give you issues with money. And can I just say something, so like make a, a general statement. You often hear that money is energy, right? Uh, you know, money is just energy, money is human energy. Now, of course, everything is energy. That's why, you know, I don't know if that statement is really helpful. But because money is energy, uh, there are, you know, and, 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 and so are chakras, right? Money almost can take like different forms within your body and within your life, right? So it's not a very homogenous energy. And that's why you can find parts of it in every aspect um, of, of your body, every energy aspect of your body. That's why like money literally is one of these funny energies that lives in pretty much all of your chakras, like I said, that are below third eye. Right. And that's why each of these chakras have misaligned in some way can give you issues with money. Heart center, for instance, if you're doing something that you don't love, like truly, because this is like a love, love center has nothing to do with self-identity. But like, let's just say that you're really miserable because, quick example, you're really, I don't know, say you're meant to be a teacher, but you believe that teachers don't make cash. And so you went ahead and became a lawyer because you believe lawyers make cash. But your, your heart center is so misaligned, right? Yes, you made that decision, but you're suffering inside. And so your energy of love and, you know, compassion for yourself is not properly aligned. That could give you issues with money, despite the fact that you went for a profession that supposedly is supposed to make a lot of cash. Hmm. You're just not going to be able to move up the career ladder that often. Or, you know, you might experience like a lot of... Um, you might be losing things all the time or you like you would be uh, still spending somehow more than what you're making. If that makes sense. You'd like, I don't know, say you, you would, you know, you have your lawyer salary, but you keep getting into accidents or I don't know, your house burned down or something. It wasn't insured. I'm just like, you know, you would be all kinds of things that like it don't enable you to keep cash. Right. Yeah. So, and that is how a misalignment in your heart center, for instance, can give you um, issues with money. And then uh, last but not least is your throat center. And your throat center is really your alignment to the mission. Like if you came here in a very strong mission and, you know, there are many like thro the th your throat center is all, like 
it, it's a pretty complex center because it's one of the higher chakras, right? But one of you know the major meanings is like you, it's, it's the, cent- the center of your personal truth or the center of your personal path. You know what you fully came here to do. So if you're not fully on your mission, or if you're taking longer to get on your mission, you, you're resisting your mission, or why you know. Uh, which could also mean that you're resisting some aspects of your karma potentially. You could have a very distorted relationship with money and money wouldn't flow, wouldn't flow all the way. Hmm. Yeah, I see that. And even worse, right? If you have more than one issue, Hmm. right? So there are some people that have issues in all five centers. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so like you would have like your unique combination of issues, so to say. Mm. So unfortunately, you cannot heal your relationship with money unless and until you heal your relationship with money at every of the five lower energy centers of your body. So it seems like uh, money. And that is just the beginning, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) because there's also mental and emotional. Yes, actually, that would be my next. But it seems like money is a tool that helps people to learn right uh because so many things just connected with them uh what money what money helps people to better understand and have a better grasp of is the energy of abundance so if um abundance is a very ephemeral concept it's not a very physical concept in in most things outside of like the abundance of physical objects and money frankly right so because it's a very ephemeral concept, which is hard to touch and hard to grasp, the concept of money, which is very physical, makes it about abundance very countable, countable, measurable, right? How do you measure abundance in today's world? You measure it with money. Now, whether you're right or wrong remains to be seen because, you know, abundance, and that's why it's important to go to my earlier point, there are a whole lot of people in the 1% of humanity that are terribly unhappy despite having a lot of cash, Right. And that is, you know, there are many reasons why, but they're missing other aspects of abundance in their life. And most likely they're misaligned with the path of their higher self, right? But that's beside the point. Regardless, you know, how much physical cash, how much physical money you have would generally be proportionate with your relationship to this very ephemeral concept of abundance. Mm. For lower dimensional worlds where you have souls that are just getting started on their journey, come and learn like a kindergarten of sorts, you need certain ephemeral concepts to be represented in very physical objects. Hmm. So they're easier to understand. Hmm. Because energy is very hard to understand in lower dimensional worlds because it's invisible. And very often what's invisible, you don't even, you're not even sure it's real all the way. Right? Hmm. So that's why you need a concept of money to represent that stream of abundance. So everybody can you know, kind of compare and contrast, so to say, how they're doing as opposed to how everybody else is doing, what society is telling them is normal, et cetera, et cetera. Does it mean that money is this tool for this period of time? Because I was wondering maybe at some period in the past, there was another way of experiencing abundance without money. Um money is definitely a temporary tool Mm -hmm. now does it mean that this is the only planet where this exists absolutely not 
Like, let's just say that there are different low, low physical type forms of abundance that are used across the universe. You know, yeah. you just happen to call that money and you just happen to have like little pieces of paper to represent it or like little digits on your bank accounts to represent it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, other, um, you know, other beings and other planets might have a different form of that. But like the 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 concept is the same. Right. Yeah. Now, um, you know. What, when you're saying like does it have to be money and it doesn't have to be money like there are societies and and you know that there are energies that would enable you to manifest things as you go like perfectly hmm. right like so if in the in those instances you don't need money yeah right right because maybe in the past when you have i don't know your garden like whatever Right, your abundance is measured by the size of your garden, for example. Yes. Right? Yes. And you're like, okay, I'm abundant. I have everything that I need. I don't need money. Yeah, but when you have a garden, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like your abundance and at the at the lowest level of things, your abundance is measured by the number of things that you have, and uh -huh. m maybe money is that universal measure of abundance. But if you had your garden, you'd measure your abundance with how many potatoes and tomatoes and carrots you have, right. which is still physical objects, mm -hmm. right? So it's not fundamentally different. You would measure how much you have by a very, by having the presence of a lot of physical objects of some kind. Hmm. And uh, is there another kind of form of abundance that can be experienced in 3D other than money? like maybe higher uh, aspect of abundance that can be experienced in 3D. Uh, what about abundance of relationships? Kind huh. of human connections that you have. Hmm. That is actually one of the very, very prized forms of abundance. What about abundance of positive emotions? What about abundance of positive thoughts? You know, those are the different ways that you would experience abundance in the physical. Oh, Nat wow. Natural abundance. Like abundance within nature is like nature um, vibrates at the frequency of abundance. That's which is the green. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. So, you know, the good representation of abundance is like, look at the sand and how many like sand particles there are. Like, there you have it. You're abundance. <laughs> Like there are many, many, many ways to experience abundance. Wow. Okay. So that's a very different perspective. That's awesome. Okay. So uh, let's maybe dig a bit deeper into the um, issues that people have with money. You mentioned one is mental, another is emotional. Um, what would be the mental one? Is it like all the false beliefs that people have? Yes, absolutely. So. Um, so money runs deep, right? So it's like one of the most fundamental concepts to get right on planet Earth, right? So very often souls would come here to really, you know, put the checkbox in, in, in the in, like next to the money uh, line item. So to say like, okay, like I figured out how to deal with this energy check, check mark. Um, so there are three, you know, out of your five bodies, um, you know, there are three that really impact money. So the first one is energetic, right? Which is essentially all your chakras and um, other energetic structures. And like, we've already just kind of like discussed like how misalignment 
in, in, in certain chakras could give you as a byproduct a lack of money or a perceived lack of money, right? But that's just your etheric body. That's your just, just your energetic body. Obviously, you have your emotional body as well and your mental body. And both of these also participate in, or should I say, they dictate your relationship with money. They impact your relationship with money. It's a circle. Um, so mental is you're correct. It is all the beliefs um, around money. Um, very often, and actually, so it's interesting on the mental level. Uh, so it's almost like there, it, there is like, three layers of beliefs that come together to form your one congruent omnipotent belief around money the first one is a portion of your mental body is being created by your higher aspect your higher self if you will and imagine it as an outermost layer of your mental body that is going to impact your relationship with cash or, or money um so this is like, let's just say like this are all of your memories from your past lives that might live in your subconscious. So these are all of your past experiences around this type of energy in the universe, right? So that's the outer layer. Then um, the layer below it is also a mental layer. And that is humanity of today's collective belief around money, right? Now imagine um, there is also the third layer here, the inner innermost layer, and that is truly the belief of your ancestry line or your co two collective ancestry lines, one over the other, um, and all of those experiences that they had on this particular planet with this particular energy and egregore, right? So now you have three layers, right? Once again, your higher self and all your personal past incarnations, Second uh, layer uh, in the middle of the sandwich is um, the collective hum humanities concept of money. And then your innermost one is your own personal lineage, right? Now, those three, you know, they almost like get merged, mixed in very, very well together. As a to give you as a byproduct this one frequency that is going to determine your personal relationship with money. So um, basically, there's because of these three factors, um, there are no two people on planet Earth that are going to have the exact same relationship to money, because there are no two people on planet Earth that have two of the three layers being the same. Right? You always have your unique layer of your ancestral relationship with money. And you always have your unique layer of your own personal past incarnations. Right, Because of that, your own frequency, your own fused energy around money is going to be very unique. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, if we look at <clears throat> the humanity, uh, what are the main maybe reasons in the society right now around uh, money? Are you asking about the human collective perception of money? Human collective, yes. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot if you look at the human collective. Uh, let's just start with the fact that there are vast uh, populations in the world, um, like your two largest countries in the world right now, India and China, with a bulk of the population being at the very, very bottom of the pyramid. 
So they have a vast majority of people that have never really perceived wealth, right? That are really, really skewing the scales for the rest of humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Because the collective human perception is, if I were to explain it to you in a very, very simple form, not one person's relationship with money for the collective matters more than the other. So imagine that each person that is currently incarnated on earth had a drop of water that represented their own personal belief like or beliefs around money. They would drop that. Imagine they came to like this big, I don't know, um, bowl, empty bowl, right? Humongous bowl. And then they all dropped this drop inside of the bowl, right? And then there would be like an ocean inside of the bowl, right? So everybody is going to drop the droplet of exactly the same size, right? So one person might be the president of the United States um, and they're going to have this, the, the drop of, of the same size as somebody in India who's like grew up exceptionally poor and ate, like only had food on the table once every three days or so, right? But they each are going to have the same exact size of the droplet. So their perception, their own opinion is going to matter just as much as any other person, right? So when you're having a large part of humanity live still, like it, in like living the lives that are not really fully abundant and experiencing the absolute like bottom level of the spectrum issue around the root chakra and money where they don't they cannot provide for food or clean water or supp- medical supplies that they need you know uh maybe they're not able to get the the clothing that they want or you know like some of the basic stuff that they want in the shelter or like even upgrade their housing situation inevitably you're not gonna have on the human collective level you're not gonna have a very healthy relationship with money Hmm. because that one percent of like you know if only the rich people had you know their droplets matter more than the other poor people we could have shifted the the overall human perception very quickly but that's not how the energy works every person matters just as much as the other person on the collective level mm-hmm. and that's why it's really hard to get out of this predicament because the poorer the poor people are getting poorer the rich people are getting richer, which means that unfortunately right now we're experiencing a deterioration of human relationship with money, not vice versa. Hmm. Because more people are going to come into this well and drop a drop of lack as the poorest, poor people are getting poorer and the rich people are getting richer. Hmm. Right? Because that 1% is not going to become 2%, 3%, 6%, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Wow, that makes sense. Okay, and um, are there any, you know, how there are some beliefs that you have to work hard? Oh yes. Well, wh- where do you think where do you think they come from? From these people. Absolutely. From the people that have, you know, again, in a lot of these very very poor communities. Um, they have never really experienced rich people outside of like they, like they don't have a concept of how to become uber rich because like they you know they maybe have seen that on TV and like they think of it as a fairy tale but in their own communities there are very few examples for these people to even understand how to become r- rich outside of they've noticed that there are lazy people 
that don't have anything. And then there are hardworking people that have a little bit more than the lazy people within their community. And that's why they're like, well, it sounds like the people that work the hardest have a little bit more cash. And that's why this becomes a collective experience. Oh, sorry, the collective belief. However, however, if you look at the very top 1%, they're not the ones that believe that to become rich, you need to work the hardest. Hmm. That's not their belief. But of course, their belief is not the collective belief because there's just so few of them that understood how to work this energy. Hmm. So interesting. Okay, so um, maybe we could finish with the mental by just giving a couple of examples of these beliefs, like limiting beliefs, just to understand what are the main ones at the very top. Oh my God. Um, money is evil. Uh -huh. At the very top. Uh, money is evil. Money is evil is probably at the very top. Uh -huh. You see, human beings have this need, this deep ingrained need to be good. Like they want to be good. They need to perceive themselves as good. Um, even serial killers, by the way, have a need to perceive themselves as good. And that's why very often they would tell the stories of killing all these innocent people. And they would come in their eyes. They would be justified. You know, mm. it's them. It's not me. <laughs> you know, so ha humans have this need to be good, uh, like ingrained in them. And when they fundamentally believe on a collective level that money is evil, and uh, we can actually go through the reason why they believe so. Uh, in a second. Yes. But, 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 when they believe that, they're going to repel that energy. Because if you have a need to be good, and then you have this object of money that you perceive to not be good, be evil, then, then, you're going to repel that as something that does not belong to you. And so, holistically, if I look at the energy, you know, Human beings are kind of like, you know, if, if you look at your auric fields, you know, they're like balls of energy. And you, you, what you're doing is essentially you're walking around repelling money. You're not attracting money, unfortunately. I hate to say this. As a society, as a, as a species, you tend to repel money. So like, it's like, imagine like there were like little particles of money flowing around. I know that's not how it is, but it kind of is, right? And these are like small globules of energy. And you're this big ball of energy walking around. The moment you walk, like... And say there is like a room, right? And in this room, there's like a lot of money floating around. Like you might not, not know that it's floating around, but like it could be represented by opportunities, you know, like, I don't know, somebody talking about a potential investment or blah, blah, blah. Like most people, when they would walk into that room and stand in the center of the room, they would repel the money so much, but the, the money would go in the corners so far away from these people that are repelling them that quite literally in the vicinity of that human, there's no opportunity to make money because they just like walked in and repelled that one of the most fundamental reasons why is because they believe money is evil now let's go back to the very early um kind of like um just give you a quick example right like say in ancient egypt for instance right uh which is uh like one of the um experiences that collectively humanity has maintained um, 
as far as like the money egregore is concerned, a lot of those beliefs actually stemmed way far back, including ancient Egypt was one of those formative periods. Then, of course, you had pharaohs, right? Um, And then you had slaves and then you had slave masters. Collective belief around money was created by slaves. So the money is evil, actually, as a belief came from slavery. And I'll explain why. So obviously, you would have your pharaohs that had all these gold and blah, blah, blah. But of course, pharaohs were gods. And so if you were a slave, you did not perceive a pharaoh as a human. You really, truly didn't. Because what was really ingrained in your head was that, like, this is such a holy, like, being that you were not even, you did not believe that you were made from the same cloth as they were, right? So who would you compare yourself to? You would compare yourself to the slave master because he is not God. And a slave master is somebody who would always abuse you. Because why? Because that's what the slave master's job was. And the slave masters were getting a really, really nice salary and they were getting paid in gold or in like in precious metals and sometimes in, 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 you know, all the other valuable things that the slaves were not paid in. The slaves were paid in food and shelter, right? So you would be ordered around and beaten up by these class cult slave masters, right? Like all these kind of like, you know, people that told you what to do and like what to dig and what to build and whatever. And for all intents and purposes, they were your boss, right? And you saw that they had money compared to you because you would never be paid in money. And so you would start associating money with the evil treatment that you got from the slave masters. And that is how you got this really ingrained in your hand that everybody that had money was evil because the way they were treating you was not humane. And then, you know, that was how the collective belief was formed, is through slavery, actually. Because money truly was evil, because it seemed like that these people that were paid this gold, pieces, whatever, they were paid the, that gold in order to abuse you. And, you know, a lot of slaves died, frankly, from, like, labor and, you know, being in the sun all the time and being malnourished and be, not having enough you know, uh, water, right? It was really, really hot. And so you would really associate people that had money with incredible evil. Mm. And, and that is, like, so deeply ingrained in the human psyche and the human collective memory. That and and then you know over the years it was only accentuated because it's not like the slavery was truly gone then even when you had like um, you know just changed its forms there would always it, it kind of almost seems like even in corporate America your boss always makes more money than you and tells you what to do so yeah freaking money is evil because it takes away your freedom hmm. does it make sense yeah it makes sense now again we're way past slavery now thank God but. In the reptilian brain, that memory is fresh. It's real. Because generations upon generations upon generations, right, experienced slavery. And those generations were small. You know, slaves didn't really live long, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because of that, like, that fast generation, like, really human memory is every generation counts, again, equally. It doesn't matter whether your ancestor lived for 80 years, 100 years, or 14 years. 
right? It's still going to be an equal, like every person matters just as much, right? So because slaves, like were, they were dying very, very young, you had a lot of generations being flipped very quickly and they were all staying within that same framework of money is evil. And that's how it got ingrained in everybody's heads. And then that belief once formed, it just got accentuated over the years. Hmm. And then you have your, you know, modern days and then a lot of wealth, you know, every time that people have seen massive wealth being built on anything that was, they did not consider to be clean, you know, that belief was only deeper rooted into the psyche. You know, like the mob, the mobsters, you know, like you would steal to get rich or something, Mm -hmm. you know, that again, like all accentuated and amplified the belief that money is evil. Now, I want to go back to your original question because I I feel like I felt like we spent so much time on the money is evil, but that's not the only like negative belief that people have around money. Uh, It's hard to make money is another one. Uh, Very prominent is hard to make money. Money is hard or you need to work really hard to make money. Um, there is a lot, um, a lot of negative beliefs around debt and a lot of, and by the way, there is almost like no, anytime your, your energy even goes to the concept of debt, whether you have a positive relationship with debt, a negative relationship with debt, or any kind of in-between relationship with debt, as long as debt is something that crosses your mind, it's an unhealthy relationship with money because that in essence, debt already communicates that you don't have enough, so you have to borrow, right? Because mm-hmm. if you had enough, you wouldn't have to borrow. So like, who cares about debt if you would never have to borrow if that's an irrelevant experience, right? Um, now, of course, the one way that um, some of these folks at the top got rich was by issuing credits, as in lending money, right? Um so when you lend money, you're able to charge interest, right? And uh, <laughs> um, money out of thin air. Yes. Yeah, so like, and, and that is actually one of the, one of the core beliefs is, um, you know, at, at the very top, if you look at the very top of that pyramid of the 1%, to make money, you need money. Like that is a core belief that they have, actually. Um, and, and, and that is how a lot of them and a lot of the past generations of, of these 1% build their money is either off of like large amounts of people or of other, like by investing the money really, really well. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, but what that created is it created in like a lot of debt for a lot of other humans, right? And so there is a lot of, again, a lot of negative beliefs around money have to do with either being in debt and how that makes you think or how that makes you feel like very trapped energy, right? Or even worrying that like debt is bad and you can never get out of debt and you're going to die with debt and oh my God. Like there's a lot of that collectively. Um, There are a lot of beliefs around the fact that money is hard to keep as well. Like human beings are really, really bad at saving up. And then they have a whole other slew of beliefs that even like that whole energy of saving freaks me out a little bit because um i see so much fear on this planet around money and losing money that um even saving as a concept 
is not the right concept for the it's like if you feel with me into the energy of abundance for a quick second like if um you know i'll challenge you wherever you are right now um you know open up your heart center and feel with me into this energy of abundance do you feel how it's expansive and how your heart space is just expanding and it's like this beautiful floating energy like you know um the ebbs and the flows and it's almost like the wave in and out and there's going to be you know like it's almost like you're standing um by this like um at the edge of this beautiful ocean and yes like sometimes there's like the the tides are high and sometimes the tides are low but you know the next tide is coming so that is the energy of abundance right including like if you like if you have a healthy relationship with money you should feel this expansive feeling in your chest when you think about money when people start thinking about saving, I want you to feel, actually feel the energy of saving money in your body for a quick second. Like I ask you to think about the word, I need to save money. Contraction. Really Exceptional bad. contraction. You have just killed your flow, guys, by just thinking that you need to save money. In fact, there's no, no flow, no ocean, no water in there. You know how it feels? It feels like you have just taken like large pieces of wood and have completely constricted, like you, you've boarded up your windows <laughs> with that wood. Now, like the sun is not shining inside of that house anymore and there's no water and it's like a dry land. And that is how the energy of saving feels like. But you know what they taught you? They taught you that in order to be rich, you need to save up. I'll tell you something else. Don't you dare freaking save up if you intend to be rich. Seriously, I mean it. The moment you start saving up, you are forcing yourself out of the state of flow. What do the people that are at the top of the pyramid want you to do? Two things. A, borrow as much as you can. B, save as much as you can. That's why there are checking accounts, you guys, and savings accounts. And they want you to save. You know why? Because they want you to stay in a constricted relationship, in a constricted energy as it relates to money. And you know what? I know you didn't ask me that, but I can tell you till the cows come home about all the like all the messed up things you guys think on the daily basis about money. But why don't we flip the coin right now and start talking about how you can fix this? Because I think that time is precious. And why don't we start getting you out of this constricted flow? into the unrestricted flow. Yeah, that would be nice. I just wanted to really kind of show and see the state. And Oh, the state is pretty dire. Right. And like it's bad, you guys. Yeah. And I it, think money is a big issue. It's like top three things that like if I look at like what worries you, freaks you out the most, gives you the most fear, money is probably, oh, well, it's generally number one. Right now, health is number one. Thank you, COVID. But like, so right now it's health than money. But generally it's money than health. <laughs> it's that bad, you guys. Like it's, it's not a great relationship with this very, if I say so myself, easy energy. Money is not a hard energy to master. Are you going up against, um, you know, headwinds? Yes, absolutely. Because humanity's collective relationship with cash is messed up mm, okay and 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 you know 
there's because there's all of these mental constructs that are like caging you as a society, right? There are always also yet another cage of your feelings around those mental constructs. Because it's your feelings that are going to create stress in your body. All these fears and these beliefs that you can never, like for, for a lot of the people, um, they, they, they actually experience the feeling uh, and the emotion of despair when it comes to money, especially if they hit the wrong bottom. That, that, that feeling of like, I don't think I will ever get out of this poverty thing. That's why they say below the poverty line is because it's so freaky. Like you literally, as if you're below some line and you freaking drowned and it's so hard to even like take a gulp of air. And it's like a vicious circle, you guys. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you there is a way out and it's actually easier than you think. Okay, let's start with the mental. First things first. First things first, we'll start with the collective of humanity. Um, again, just to reiterate, because I know it's it's like a simple topic, but it's dense material because it's it's so intertwined. This energy is really intertwined. Um, so part of what I'm going to be telling you is a practice, and part of it is just conceptual understanding of what's happening for you and why you feel so trapped by this. Because legitimately, as I look at all of you individually and then collectively, it's like each of you individually is in this silver cage, and this cage is so small. It's like you're. It's 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 like it's squeezing you. Like all, all of your rib cages are squeezed by this energy of like discomfort around money. Apart from maybe the, the top 1%. But we're not talking to the 1% right now. Uh, I'm assuming they wouldn't care much about this podcast. Um, that being said, uh, not only are you individually constricted, but you're also collectively constricted, right? So there is your inner cage that you have, this mental cage. And then there is this master collective cage and you're all squished in there. And like just looking at this causes me pain, you guys. So I can only imagine how it must feel for you. Now, first things first, let us get you out of this collective cage. The way the, mat the matrix works is you have default settings. But you only have default settings for as long as you agree with the fact that you are going to go with the default setting. The moment that you don't want the default setting, the matrix is going to have to change for you. So what I'm going to tell you right now can blow your mind if you only have an open enough kind of like consciousness in this moment to be able to receive what I'm going to share with you because it's kind of groundbreaking. And if you only get this once, this is going to be the massive leap that you can do for your finances forever, pretty much. The default setting of the matrix on this planet is that one third of your relationship with money is determined by collective humanity's relationship with money. That is the default setting of the matrix. We have just discussed that this collective relationship with, of humanity with money is beyond messed up, right? And by the way, it doesn't serve you because it sucks so badly, right? What you don't know, what nobody told you in school is that is it is a choice of yours. 
to take on anything collective or to leave it be and step out of the collective. It is a choice and it's a setting. And you get to choose. And you may choose today to get rid of that setting. Get rid of that master cage that's caging all of you inside. Because this part is actually optional. Okay. That is, do you remember how we said that there are three layers, right? Three mental layers. Your top layer is your higher self's relationship with money. The middle layer is collective humanity. And the bottom layer is your own personal lineage and their relationship with money. I hate to say this, the upper and the innermost layer are not optional. Like you're going to have to deal with them. And I will tell you exactly the tools of how to improve those. The innermost layer is optional. So if, if you're amenable to it, we can do like a quick meditation or exercise, right? If you don't want to be brought down by this collective energies of money, I could show you a way of how to unplug yourself from that network. This is not the same as unplugging you from the larger collective family of humans. So don't worry. By doing this, you're not going to lose touch with humanity or be ostracized or anything. The only thing you're going to really cut ties with is humanity's relationship with money collectively is not going to weigh you down. Does it make sense? Let's do this. Yes. Okay. All right. So imagine, you know, close your eyes, start with the breathing. Even doing this episode is really hard for me because, guys, I can feel all of your pain. And like in a lot of your stomachs, there's all this tension from this root chakra of yours being so constricted. And the same thing, all the pain and suffering that you have in your heart centers. Trust me, I feel you. And we're going to fix this. We're going to fix this for you. The energy of money and the energy of the abundance is one of the most integral energies within the human body. One thing that I want you to understand is you were born to be abundant. And it's more simple than you think. And by the way, there is absolutely nothing evil about money. But we're going to talk about that once I free you up from this collective humanity's cage. Because first things first. Okay. Imagine that, you know, pretty much imagine your own body, you know, like as if your physical body, only like as a body of light, right? So you can focus on your own physical body only as if it was made from like light particles, right? Now imagine that you're surrounded by three silver spheres, right? Those three spheres that we talked about. The innermost sphere is your lineage. I'll repeat myself because it's dense. Uh, The innermost is your lineage's relationship with money. The middle is humanity's relationship with money. And the outermost is your higher self, right? So there are three concentric circles, if you will, that house you, that cuddle you. They're kind of silver, a little steely looking, you know, things like, um, and and they're, they're spheres, right? So they're circular in nature. Uh, what you get to do is you get to 
expand so like focus on the inner uh, on the second layer right on that in the in the interim like interim layer of humanity's relationship with money and let's start breathing together and as we breathe in and out watch how that middle layer expands you know watch it expand and expand and expand so on every out breath you want to see that expand so you breathe in then breathe out with a sigh so like it's an audible thing and um as it expands uh sorry as you breathe out that middle layer expands right and would expand really really uh by like a lot um so that it would become your outer layer now right and so keep breathing and keep expanding so this would be like a large 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 sphere right and then see that there is a door that's being open in you know inside of the sphere and you can walk outside of that door with your other two things intact you know with the other two spheres that are surrounded you intact and so you're just walking out and you keep walking and if you, if the door is not big enough just increase it you guys just increase it in size nobody told you it has to be so small it's as big as you want that door to be you know it's big enough to pass you through let you pass through you know and as you exit that and you're on the other side the door just closes right and then you know if you focus really hard you know you focus on that sphere you can see a whole lot of people now as you're looking from the outside looking in you see a, a, like a lot of people still stuffed inside of that sphere all constricted and stuff right dealing with their problems but you're not one of them anymore you know and you could just like let that sphere go from now on that sphere is irrelevant to your life because as much as you love your human family and as much as you have showed up to this planet to build strong relationships and to heal your relationships and to be a better human and to make a difference and to hopefully make this world a better place, you don't have to do all of that while experiencing this massive karmic human issues around cash, around money. You get to switch that setting off for yourself. And it is a choice. That choice has always been yours. You just didn't know that. Do you see how by just that simple act alone, it's easier for you to breathe? Like feel into your chest. Do you feel like a weight has been lifted? Because I can definitely feel that for you. Like your chest might not be fully light yet, but they're definitely lighter than they were like three minutes ago. I do feel that myself. Okay, great. I do too. <laughs> now, of course, I'm, um, you know, I, I signed up to feel everything that you collectively are going to be feeling as we're going through this. So, but I definitely feel like a lot lighter in my chest. Mm -hmm. and that is exactly how it's supposed to be. Now, one thing I want to tell you is don't worry. Once you walk out of a collective egregore like that, um, they cannot, they cannot suck you back in. The one thing I will tell you is there is a small thread of light that connects your body and that little um, circle. So what you want to do is you want to take either a pair of light scissors, scissors made of light, a sword 
made of light or you can even take like a lightsaber kind of like the uh, star wars <laughs> whichever one uh there's no right or wrong reason and you want to cut that cord with that egregore you cut it and the moment you cut it you know that's it your tie to that collective karma of humanity around money and all of that drama and all of that nastiness and you know yuckiness is you have nothing to do with it anymore you're liberated. So now, at least, at least, you're not going to be weighed down like by that 30-30% that used to make up your field and your relationship with money, unbeknownst to you. Right? Because that energy wasn't serving you in the first place. Now, there are two more spheres here, right? And depending on where you are in life, chances are that either one of them or both of them are not at their optimal state right now i wouldn't recommend you and by the way it's not really necessarily possible for you to switch off any of the other ones because those are your inherent settings right but i recommend we do a deep deep cleanse of the both of them so this is what you want to do you want to imagine that there is a pool of white light um, and that white light, it's kind of like pearlescent or like diamond desk. It's like very, very beautiful, like glittery, super beautiful energy. You want to drop yourself like a, you know, like a Christmas ornament because <laughs> you're now surrounded by these spheres. So like you look like a little bit like a Christmas ornament that they put on a Christmas tree. <laughs> you want to just drop yourself into that pool of white light and you want to submerge yourself. And as you do that, you want to start enabling or allowing the white light to penetrate both of these spheres. So it's, it's kind of like the water pouring inside of your capsule, if that makes sense. And you want to first start with clearing the innermost layer of yours, which represents how your ancestral lineage felt about cash and about money and abundance and all of that good stuff, right? And basically, in the sides of the sphere that surrounds you, um, that represents your lineage, there's going to be dark clots that are engraved in this silver, silver sphere, right? And every dark clot represents a set of experiences the ancestors had that were suboptimal as it relates to money. And it could be all kinds of experiences. Now, if you, you know... If you do a lot of meditations, as you start cleaning these clots, certain things might come to you, certain images or words or visions might come into your head as this karmic past of your ancestry is being cleansed by this white light. So just enable this white light to cleanse away all the dirt, the debris, all the blockages that are stuck inside of your sphere and be present to the pictures or the words or even sensations in your body as you're cleaning this up, all kinds of things might come up for you. For some of you, it could be, I don't know, uh, one of your ancestors lost an inheritance or their house burned down or they had a cow that was like, you know, the, the source of sustenance and the cow died of some disease and then they didn't have the cash to buy a new cow. Like all kinds of things could come up, right? Um, or like not being paid enough or thieves 
you know, stealing your money or just like losing large sums of money for whatever reason, you know, all kinds of like trauma around money is stuck in this mental memory type of phase of your body. So you just want the white light to remove it. And then you want the white light to go ahead and cleanse the outer layer, like the outer sphere, which represents your personal past, right? And it's very—it's a very similar process. It's a very similar process. Again, also dirt and debris and all these clots of all your personal relationships and inadequacies and fears around money, right? And you had probably a ton of your own. Stay here for as long as it feels good and as long as there, you feel like there is something to cleanse. You want to, you want to stay here until both of these spheres become perfectly and pristinely silver or steel looking, right? Like a, just a perfect metal without any um, dirt stuck to it. Now that's not it. That's not it. Take yourself out of this pool of energy. Uh, we are going to go um, into another pool of energy. Um, and that pool of energy is going to be a balancing pool. So imagine that there is a pool of energy of a glittery magenta color, like a glittery fuchsia. And submerge both of your bodies into this glittery fuchsia. So um, this magenta ray is actually really, really good for solidifying the healing of trauma. Because what you've just gone through is you've healed a lot of trauma that is money related and abundance related. So um, in order kind of like, and you know, right now, like your bodies, you know, uh, this two mental bodies that we're working with, don't look like they're tarnished. But uh, they've just had, it's almost like the equivalent of spiritual open surgery. And so we want to make sure that this ray, the magenta ray, the magenta, this beautiful magenta energy can heal and patch up almost like the, the, the surface of these, of these two um, spheres. So submerge yourself into it and just allow the magenta energy to work through both of these um, spheres that surround your body, right? healing everything just soothing everything and you know it's it's kind of like a little bit like antiseptic too uh like it would kill off anything that's not supposed to be there any infection uh and you know any entities that might want to attach themselves right so like you want to just like be in this beautiful magenta energy um and the last pool that we're going to go into is the emerald pool of abundance and that is the last thing, because like right now, y your bodies are in the most pristine state possible and they're healed. And so in their healed state, they are able to start receiving something and fully transforming that energy. So you want to drop yourself into this beautiful emerald sparkly energy, you know, the energy of the abundance of the universe. And I just want to feel to feel that there's so much abundance in the universe and you are exceptionally deserving to partake in this beautiful unending endless infinite pool of anything you could ever possibly dream of there's never been a shortage of it that's not how the universe works 
The universe has never experienced the shortage of cash. You have just been caged and too blind to see exactly how much there is. And I want you to like look around, you know, as you're submerged in these emerald waters and see that there, you know, no matter which direction you look, it's a pool of energy that does not have an end to it. Like if you look up, there is, you know, yeah, like there is a surface somewhere, but there's so like that, that might be the only direction <laughs> that you could exit that pool. But if you look down, there is no bottom. And then there are no sides to this ocean, if that makes sense. So it's like you're floating in this endless amount of emerald energy. And then um, imagine like these two um, mental bodies that you're surrounded by have cells. And now imagine that these cells are empty inside. Like they, you know, they have a membrane, but inside of this membrane, there is nothing. It's like empty space. What you want to enable this um, emerald energy to do is go inside each of the cells, penetrate the cells, and fill this empty space with green energy, right? So you now become the vibrational match to this vast pool of abundance that is available to you by just by virtue of you being human and having a human experience, right? And there also feel into like this um, sensation of serenity and s completion and like things just being given to you and you not having to be deserving or anything because you already are deserving. You have been deserving from the first moment that you took a breath. You've already been deserving of this energy and this abundance, right? So stay here for as long as it feels good. And whenever you feel ready, let's reemerge you know, on the other side, right? And we can talk about what your relationship to money should be, maybe, if, you, if you're willing, unless you had any questions. Yes, I think that would be the next question. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll be the first one to admit that the history of humanity and all the pain that humanity has had to go through to get to this point in time has been pretty intense, right? So I do feel for you that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not been easy, right? It's not, it's not your fault, should I say, right? That your personal relationship with money and abundance has maybe not been at the level that you'd like it to be, right? That you've always kind of felt like you either wanted more or, could have more, deserved more, right? Um, so we cannot change the past of humanity, right? But we can certainly change the future. From the spiritual perspective, there is absolutely nothing evil about the energy of money. The energy of money is a neutral energy. Like any other energy, it is not charged per se, right? The energy of money only becomes charged by um, joining in with a particular human. And that is actually one very, very interesting concept about the energy of money. The energy of money is a chameleon. It's a chameleonic energy, which means that the moment that money becomes yours, money is going to absorb your energy and starts emanating your energy. 
And because of that, money cannot be evil. Because 100% of humanity is not evil. It is impossible, right? Money is vibrating your money, your cash is vibrating at your own personal frequency. So your money can only be as evil as you are. That's it. It cannot be an iota more evil than you are. So let's drop it. And let's drop that false belief that money is evil. Money is you. You are money. If you're striving to be a good person, if you do right, if you try to do the right thing, then there is no way your money is going to be evil. And how can money be evil if it enables you to buy gifts for your family, right? To buy things that make, make you happy, including consume consciously, if that is what makes you happy. How can money be evil if you can tip people that are taking care of you, right? Which is sharing your wealth. How can money be evil if it enables you to buy the type of future for your kids that you want and they think they deserve, right? How can money be evil if it enables you to support the causes that you really believe in? The answer is it, it's not, right? It's not evil. It's a false belief that comes from the times of slavery and we're way past that. Ancient Egypt was a, a lot of years ago. It's irrelevant as far as you're concerned. So let's stop perpetuating that false belief because it's not making your life any easier and it's not alleviating any stress for you, right? So let's start there. And in fact, I want more good people to have more money so we can finally shift the paradigm and so we can finally believe that money is good because a lot of good people are going to have money and a lot of good people are going to do a heck of a lot of good stuff with our money. And we can finally, finally change the paradigm on this planet. Because money should be a source for good. Because I fundamentally also believe that humans are good. And that's why I believe that if the humans had a lot of money, then because money would become the energy of those good people, money is actually good. Money would be good. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. So that's that. Um, I recommend you also to do a little bit of an audit of your own personal beliefs. Whether you know where they're coming from around money, whether you know where they're coming from or you don't know where they're coming from. Uh, because it's going to be either your own personal experiences, subconscious, conscious, otherwise, or your family's personal experience, conscious, subconscious, or otherwise in between. There are things that are in between, believe it or not. Kind of like on the brink between the two, conscious and subconscious um, frameworks. As you're doing this audit and writing down all of the beliefs around money, the first thing you want to do is actually, you, you well, first you should write down all of the beliefs, not just the negative ones. And then calculate what percentage of your beliefs around money are positive or negative. And you can even put the plus sign to every positive belief and a minus sign to every negative belief. I will guarantee you that your beliefs around money are exactly correlate or exact how positive they are is exactly correlated to how much money you have. So if you're about 50-50, you're generally kind of like you'd probably be considered middle class and it's not like you're experiencing lag, but it's not like you're experiencing an over surplus and you're like rich beyond measure, 
right? If you're starting to skew more negative, then you're probably like if 60%, 70%, 80% of your beliefs are online, your negative chances are you're experiencing a lack. If over 50, I don't know, 60, 70, 80% of your beliefs are positive, then you're probably starting to experience a surplus. And even if you're at the very early stages of experiencing the surplus, this, this types of um, belief systems tend to accentuate over time. So grow in you over time, right? So even if you're 60% positive, that's great, right? Say you're 60% positive, but you're not fully yet experiencing abundance. Like keep working and chipping away at your negative ones. And then that's just going to be a beneficial circle. So what you want to do is you want to rewrite your negative beliefs, no matter how many you have on that list. The way you rewrite a belief is literally you uh, take another piece of paper, you do a reverse of your belief. For instance, if, if your core belief is money is evil, you, you write down money is good. You have an agreement with yourself, like literally, like you make an agreement with yourself. You should be like, okay, today I would like to make an agreement with myself that from this day onward, my new core belief is going to be money is good or money is awesome. Money is great. What you want to do is burn your old beliefs, like literally light up a candle and burn that piece of paper with all of your old beliefs, all of your new beliefs however many, there needs to be one positive belief to replace every negative belief. You know how they tell you like when you're trying to change a bad habit into a good habit, you cannot just drop a bad habit. That's not going to happen. You need a replacement habit. That is why when you're uh, rewriting a bad belief, you need a replacement good belief. That's why I'm, I'm asking you to do this mirror belief. So like money is evil versus money is great. Money is amazing, right? So you're going to burn again. I, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but this is kind of important. You're going to burn the part that no longer serves you. And you're going to take the part that has all the mirror beliefs that would serve you, all the positive ones. And what you want to do is you want to like put that on a sticky note or like put that somewhere right next to you, where you can read those statements twice a day for the next 30 days, twice a day, morning, evening, morning, evening for 30 days. You're going to wake up first thing in the morning. You're going to read this new beliefs and check in with yourself that, yes, this is still your contract. You still believe money is awesome. You're going to go down the list. As soon as you're done, you're fine. Go about your day before you go to bed. Right. The last thing you should be doing consciously is check back with yourself, read the list again and do so for about a month. You would be surprised, right? You would be surprised. Like the difference is going to be palpable. Like you would notice that by the end of this 30 days, you truly started to believe the things that, the, that are written on the page. It's like magic. So first though, right? Writing the right the right level of statements, then committing to them and proclaiming within yourself that those are your new beliefs and then repetition. That's really the magic formula of changing the belief system. Now, be patient because the mental, right, is your outer, you know, it's kind of like on the lighter side of your bodies. That work, you know, changing the belief system doesn't immediately change your reality. But what's going to, that is going to start to do energetically. And that is immediate. The energetic shift is immediate. So the moment next time you walk into a room, you're not going to repel money. 
anymore, right? And if you do your job really well around your core beliefs, you might even start attracting money and magnetizing money and opportunities to you, right? So, and, and it may come and just be open-minded because that may come in so many different ways. Example, you know, a friend is telling you, why don't we go and do something? And you're like, you know, and say you've, you've said no to that friend for like five times already. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to do to like, a, I don't know, like a, a museum with you or something. You never know what could happen there. So like, just be open-minded to opportunities because money is not, might not come, money might not come or abundance for that matter, might not come in a way that you expect it to come. It will come in a way that you're meant to receive it. So being open-minded and then also having a little bit of patience because once that core belief is set, it might actually take up to 12 months for you to see, see like a really, really big shift in your life. So like have a little bit of patience. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be the day after, but you're going to start being on that upward trajectory. That's that. What questions do you have? Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, I maybe have one last question before we finish because I think that a lot of people who's going to listen to this podcast, they um, uh, come kind of from the spiritual community. Uh, is there, are there any specific beliefs around spiritual community? Oh my God, yes. And uh, what they would be and uh, is there anything different what these people can do? So there is a lot within the spiritual community and the religious community. I don't know if they're, they're definitely not one and the same, but one does tend to impact the other. So you have a lot of beliefs around money is not spiritual, right? Or like spiritual people don't need money or that's not a value. Or like money's too mundane. Like money's too low vibration. Like we should just all live in a world where... You know, we just like meditate in the Himalayas and, you know, render service all day, every day. And it, you know, doesn't, we don't need money. Like who needs money, right? Um, uh, also, there is a whole lot of beliefs that for the spiritual people, healers in particular, or, you know, um, like tarot readers, all types of practitioners of, um, you know, esoteric arts that, you know, like a lot of them have a skill set, like almost like an innate talent, right? That they just, they were just born with, like they didn't go to school necessarily for it, or like maybe they did, but not all the way, like they've always had that type of energy. And so they perceive that as like a God-given gift. And they're like, well, if God gave it to me freely, like how dare I charge for it, right? Uh, so there's a lot of that. Um, there's also a lot around, there There have, I mean, obviously in like in Buddhist cultures, like money is not necessarily lauded, right? Like it's not something that you would want to pursue necessarily. So part of it is also like how this philosophy has got shaped up, right? And what the values are, uh, where of the people that started this philosophies. Mm-hmm. And then there's also another thing that's really deeply rooted in the tribal cultures. And that is also a memory. And what um, a lot, like what the humanity has memory on the, um, um, again, in, in, in our brains, which you guys are unaware of, but in tribal cultures, right? Um, there was no cash, right? Um, and everybody just contributed in however way they could, right? 
So your healers, your psychics, your guides, your spiritual teachers, your elders, right? Your priests, 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 priestesses, all of these people that we can just dab as spiritual in this incarnation, they didn't have to have money to be able to sustain themselves because they would just render the service to the villagers, right? And the villagers would feed them with physical stuff so that in tribal cultures, these people could just focus on, you know, working with their higher centers, living like a sage type of enlightened life, if you will, right? Just a very different life that was not very tied to material things. It was up to everybody else in the tribe to take care of the mundane needs, such as food and shelter and clothing. And the elder, the sage, the healer, the witch of the tribe, if you will. I don't mean the witch in a bad way, but you know what I mean. The the healing lady, the, the crone. Um, they didn't have to worry about things like that. They just had to worry about rendering service. And so that memory is always there. So some sometimes because of that, it feels like, well, how can I charge for it? It's not how things are should be done, quote unquote. And it's just the memory from these tribal cultures. Where truly, for generations upon generations, like people wouldn't charge for it. If that makes sense. It was rendered as a service, but then there were other gifts and other things that you got in return that fully sustained you. It's a very different society now. I hate to break it to you guys. This is not a tribal village of 100 people anymore. And you're the one sage that everybody bows down to. Hmm. It's a very different world. You have children to feed. You have your own aspirations. There's travel, airplanes, all kinds of things. Like even the preaching on the teaching work you know, it used to be just like walk around 10 miles and, and, you know, on the bare feet and your work is done. Like right now, like for a lot of you to do your work, you have to travel and commute and all these other things, right? The world's changed. Now this world, apart from the tribal cultures and compared to the tribal cultures, has money as a concept. And money has come to represent your personal energy. And for anybody who's a practitioner of any type of esoteric spiritual arts or healing, you know exactly how taxing that process is on you energetically. So it's actually an incredibly selfish thing to do to give, give, give and never take. This prevents the flow of energy for you, obviously, but it also inadvertently does a big disservice to any of your so-called clients or people that you're helping because there always has to be a give and take. Because if you render disservice to the person and they haven't paid, energetically they are indebted to you or the universe or both. And it will be taken from them in other ways. And trust me, money is cheap. So you want to take money from them. Because there could be other things that the universe might take from them as a means of their energetic exchange. It could be their health. It could be something else that they value more than money. Trust me. Something else from their stream of abundance. So do yourself a favor and please charge for your work a lot. So that you feel that your energy 
through that concept and the construct of money that, by the way, exists for you to experience this exchange and heal that within you so that that starts replenishing you. By the way, another thing, and do a service because, again, start thinking about the fact that it's really good for you to accumulate money, not save money. There is a difference between save and accumulate. Save is a lack mentality. Accumulate is a positive mentality, is a multiplication mentality. So when you as a practitioner as a light worker, whatever, starseed, however else you want to refer to yourself, accumulate money. What ends up happening is more money, more of that energy gets cleansed through you. And by the virtue of you cleansing that energy, it's going to go out in the world as a cleansed energy. And trust me, the egregore of money and that energy in general needs as much cleaning as it can get. So do this world a favor and please Accumulate as much as you can so that energy can be cleansed through you and through your work. That is the service that you can render to this planet, apart from your healing work. That is very much needed. Because how you consume, how you spend this money, it's a lot more conscious, right? So if you have all this money, what's going to happen with it? All the conscious enterprises are going to be supported. You know, all the causes that need to be funded are going to get funded etc, etc, etc. You're going to start investing in each other's businesses. We could have more practitioners, more healers, more alternative medicine, not less. So are you guys kidding? How come you deny yourself and the world of this new cleansed energy money pool by just saying that money is not spiritual? Money is going to vibrate at your level. If you are spiritual and if you Think of yourself as a spiritual person. Every dollar that comes into your hands is going to be a spiritual dollar. Every dollar that is not in your hands is a something else dollar. And if it is in the hands of the people that are not good people, then it's not a good dollar. So in fact, I say accumulate as much as possible because that's how you heal the world. I, I drop the mic here. Drop the, mic. <laughs> Drop the mic, seriously. Drop the mic. It is, it is. I mean, um, money is a very, very dense topic. It's a very deep topic. It's a it's a topic very, very deeply rooted in in all types of falsehoods. And some of them happen organically to humanity, and others, frankly, happened because it was, you know, it just served, say the one percent of the rich to have the others feel a certain way about money. And so certain things were propagated. It's propaganda, a form of propaganda. And humanity just believed and bought into it. And that's how you have a whole lot of people who are good intentionally repelling the energy of money and intentionally cutting themselves out from this pool of abundance that would enable them to not only live happier, more fulfilled and thriving lives, but also have the resources to make this world a better place. Let's go back to my original statement. Originally, I told you that money is a circulatory system of this planet, which means that it is one of the energies that makes the world go round. If you're denying yourself this stream, you're not going to participate in the exercise of making the world go round. So you're going to be standing on the sidelines watching as somebody else is changing the world. And that somebody else might not be as conscious as you, as well-intentioned as you, with as good or open heart center as you, 
So no, I say this is a big miss. And I actually think that it's time for the spiritual people to finally plug themselves back into reality, do a quick sanity check, and understand that money is a tool and money fundamentally can and will be good on this planet if they were only to step up to the occasion. And that is precisely what they're going to have to learn to integrate if they are to expand and extend their own work and their own impact as well in the world. Money is one of the tools that would get you there. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this amazing information with us today. And uh, now I'm going to end our session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergei.